Uh, yeah. Check it out. Welcome to the Books by Authors podcast. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me again. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Uh, launching season three, so I was like, let's bring back some people. <laughs> I love that. So why don't you introduce yourself for the listeners, talk a little bit about what you're working on, what you've been up to since the last time they heard from you. Sure. So my name is Sydney Alexis. I am a college student author. <laughs> and uh, Since the last time we spoke, I guess I'm technically still working on the same project, only for a different purpose. I think before I was working on editing it to republish The Daughter of Dawn, and now I am working on it to publish it for the first time, I guess, traditionally um, with Imagine and Wonder, which is really exciting. And I've finished my second book and I'm working on my third. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> hey, so you said published traditionally. Talk a little bit about that. That's new. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a pretty small house. They just sort of started up, but one of their, their now editor-in-chief approached me and said, like, I really liked this book. I think that I want to publish it. And I was like, well, you can. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Um, obviously, there's a little bit more to that, you know, and some, like, I guess, time in between and lots of discussions and thinking about it. But I'm really excited now to be able to announce that I'll be working with them. And so now we're working on getting The Daughter of Dawn ready for print, and it's going to be out in the spring of 2022, and I'm so excited. <laughs> hey, that's exciting. That's super exciting. <laughs> so why don't you talk a little bit about the book to give some people a refresher? Sure. Let me quickly pull up my, my, <laughs> my sales pitch because I haven't memorized it yet, but one day. One, one day. day. One day. It'll, the day will come when I can just spout it off the top of my head. But here I have it. So The Daughter of Dawn is a YA high fantasy novel following the adventure of a young woman when she discovers, after pursuing knighthood in honor of her late mother, that her mother's legacy is far more and far older than she ever knew. Rather than the quiet life she'd had in mind for herself, her destiny reveals itself to be a life forged in flames. Flames that will burn down her home, lead her to the capital, night her future and incinerate her past the power she will wield will be incredible divine even but will come with a burden as old as the gods themselves mm, <laughs> i like it thank you that's very very professionally done thank you it's it feels extra professional that i'm pulling it up on my notepad on my phone <laughs> <laughs> so so how has the writing process been been since you like kind of shifted gears you mean from indie to traditional yeah process? um honestly I wouldn't say that it's changed too much I will say that when it comes to the editing process and just the general working with a team however big or small it is I had to get used to sort of loosening microphone the reins a little bit <laughs> 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 um, because I mean there is so far I would say that there's almost an equal amount of work that goes into it as an indie author and as a traditional author, um, or at least in my position, like I'm not with one of, I'm not in the big five or something. So I don't hand my book off to someone and magic it's done for me, <laughs> um, which I don't know if I could do that considering my current like control. <laughs> but um, 
I mean, it's the same amount of writing and the same amount of time going back into edits. And with traditional right now, I've gone through it like four times on my own. And now I'm going through it again with someone and then we'll hopefully get a line editor on there, you know, to kind of finishing touches. But those are all things that I would have done indeed, just um, would have been more like I get to choose the editor and things like that. Not that that's product, just a note. Um, and I know that a lot of authors who are pursuing the traditional route will avoid writing the next installment unless they've gotten the first one with an agent or with a house. But I did not do that because obviously I was planning on republishing it indie-wise uh, independently. So I was already working on a second one and obviously we're not, um, I haven't given it to the house yet. But I will say that my process has not changed. It's still sort of write the next one while the first one's in editing, write the next one while the second one's in editing and so, so on and so forth. So hasn't changed all that much and we might still use the same cover. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> okay, okay. And you're still with the writing community, correct? Yes, absolutely. Have you wanna talk a little bit about it? Sure, so, I mean, we started out as just um, a writing challenge on Instagram and there were a lot going around and I feel like I told this story in the last one, so I'll, I'll jump ahead. Um, but now we have our website out, we've launched our, our own podcast um, that does almost the same thing. So I apologize, we'll do it together. Um, and you know, we have the live series, we have the blog post going up. I know we wanna start a masterclass series. Um, we may or may not bring in a lot of different authors to help us with that. And I'm just excited to see where it goes. We have. We have plans or thoughts, I should say, to do a writer's retreat with everyone, but it'll be tough to organize since we have authors all around the globe, which is honestly like such a cool problem to have, <laughs> but it's grown a lot and it's going to keep growing. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the cool things that you, you've all been up to, especially like the last six months. I feel like it's really just gone crazy. It's exploded. Oh yeah. The girls and I, I remember we had one meeting and we're like, okay, so the website will go up this month and then the podcast and then this and then this and then this and then this. All right, let's go. And at the time it didn't really feel almost like any of it was real. And I think as soon as the website launched, we all get this feeling like, okay, it's official. We're doing this. We built, we built a writing community. Let's keep going. And so it's really exciting to have a group of people who work so well together and can be friends like we are while working together very professionally. And all of us, I mean, none of us have gotten paid from it, you know, at this point. So all of us are just doing the work because of how much we care about what we're doing and because of how passionate we are about the craft. And I think that's just so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see because you all give a lot of good tips. Like, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of like little things, little snippets, Tuesdays, um, where I get a lot of good, like, advice and good conversations I feel like take place as well yeah I mean I've learned a lot from the community I know it always we get so excited we we get those posts that are like oh someone tagged the writer community we're like oh let's go check it out and someone's saying oh I learned this much from the writer community or I, I did this thing because of the writer community and we're just like oh my gosh I'm so proud and happy <laughs> like we did it <laughs> yeah it's funny how much you pick up just along the way and People will ask me questions about like, oh, how would you go about doing this? I'm like, I've never done that. Let me see. And then I'll just start talking about it. And like, yeah, that makes sense. Or, you know, if someone asks you a question about writing and you don't realize that you've done it so many different times, you just haven't thought about specifically that element. Like, 
how do you write a redemption arc? Well, let me point mm-hmm. you to Avatar, like stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me let me show you some people. There's there's yeah. <laughs> of good examples of that. Definitely. So let's dive a little bit deeper into writing. Um, because this is what we like to talk about, you know, oh, storytelling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we talked a little bit about character last time. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about world building, setting, and all that. Cool. What is your <laughs> What is your uh, process like when it comes to world building and creating setting? I know for myself, it's been like, it's one of my favorite areas. And it's a place where I I constantly feel like you have to, you have to challenge yourself to become even more creative. I've had people, my beta readers right now, actually, who are like, I want to know more about the statues. And I'm like, more about the statues. (laughs) It's not enough to just write to their statues. They want to know more and they give me really great reasons why they want to know more. And I'm like, you know what? Let me start, let me start uh, world building. (laughs) Let's create some history. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's one thing about world building that I love. And then I feel goes overlooked, not necessarily in a bad way, but by most readers don't necessarily realize how much the author has to know. Like you have to know everything. Like there's a forest. Why is it there? There's, um, they build their houses out of wood. Why did they do that? Are there forests nearby? Like you have to know literally every detail down to why are the statues built there? And most of those questions will never actually be written into the book. I feel like we know so many more layers deeper into our worlds than will ever be told or shown to the readers. But the fact that you know it is what makes it so much deeper and so expansive. Like I feel like a reader can tell when you have all the answers because they're reading and everything just makes sense, but they don't necessarily have to know why. So, so the knowing all the little details part is also very fun for me. I have to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something I've, I've explored even more so with the second book because oh, people, yeah. people want to know. And I'm like, you know what? Let me start giving out some more answers. Exactly. And also it's fun. It's kind of fun when people are like, I want to know this. And you're like, so do I. Like, you don't ever want to be in that situation. <laughs> it's like, I do that. I don't know. Why do you think it happened? You that's a good me. question. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as for the actual question that you asked about how I go about it, um, I think my approach sort of developed over the course of this series. And I've already started working on another one because I can't help myself. But um, I'm using, I'm applying the same process. And essentially what that is, is picking an idea that I want to base the world around. So the daughter of Dawn's world, Azareth, is built around the ancient Greek element system, the classical element system, which has five, fire, earth, air, water, the normal ones, plus something called known as void and as quintessence. And both of those things essentially mean magic, but at least my interpretation of it, is that the connotation of void is very negative and sort of evil and malicious, whereas the connotation for quintessence is very positive and magical. And I thought, ooh, let's play with that. Like, what is magic in different people's hands, you know? So I sort of built the world around that. So I had five elements. So I had five cultures. I had five gods. I had five peoples. I had five um, language systems. And I sort of built everything around that. And from there, <laughs> so let's take the the fire world, for example, because I spent a lot of time in it in book two. It's uh, the fire world, <laughs> the fire country. <laughs> it's called Volcan, which means volcano in different languages, which is a little giveaway. Their goddess name 
Her name is Dawn. She's the creator of the sun. And her landscape is very barren because I thought, okay, fire. Let's try mountains and like rocky areas and with some volcanoes. Let's do that. And I mixed it with dragons to get the the fire element in there. And then I, I, for some reason, I just really wanted to base the culture off of Eastern Asian principles. So I have a lot of those little cultural elements mixed in and into the language system. Um, people will bow instead of shaking hands and stuff like that. Um, and they're, so everything sort of comes down from one idea. And then I like to mix it with um, other cultures to build it out more. And I do so much research for these things, like the architecture and language systems and certain cultural practices and stuff like that that are fun. But I like to think, okay, so we have fire, Eastern Asian elements and dragons. How are we going to mix these into something really unique and fun? And how do I get to explore that world a little bit? And so that's sort of how I go about it. Uh, that felt really roundabout, but I hope it was somewhat <laughs> useful to listeners. <laughs> no, I think that I think that was cool because you touched on a lot of different elements, and I think the way you the way you combine them all uh, is the world building. I think a lot of people yeah. they they spend a lot of time world building because world building is tons of fun. Mm-hmm. You can like <laughs> you can get stuck in just the minor details. I have to have a, my own world bible, which listeners cannot see, but it is a collection. It's of, big. It's very big, and I have this reference guide to dragons, which is fifteen pages, just so that I would know how dragons work in my world. Like there's classes and different abilities that they can have, and there's nocturnal versus diurnal, and they're everything i have the wingspan so i don't forget these things like i said things that won't necessarily be shown but that i have to know um and then i went ahead and made it look like <laughs> a guide just for fun <laughs> got pictures and old paper and so thanks canva <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta stay organized i think world world building is one place you do have to stay organized Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I cannot tell you, this isn't necessarily world building, but it goes along with the book Bible. I can't tell you how many times I changed a character. His name is Aaron in book one. He had brown hair. He had blonde hair. He had dirty blonde hair. He had black hair. He had short hair and long hair and auburn hair. And his eye colors changed about 12 times. (laughs) So when I went back in editing, I was like, what? what do you look like? <laughs> I need to write that down and decide that very quickly. So it's important to write things down, people. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I, that actually happened to me also. In my second book, I was like, writing this one character, I had her description in chapter one. And then by chapter five, I was like, what is, what? Have we even mentioned how she looks since then? Like, I don't know what her hair looks like. I don't know any of this. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I've been writing it. Oh my gosh! It was like Phineas, and then something else. I don't think anyone was Phineas. It was like four different names of the MC's father, and then I went back and I was like, (laughs) "What did I name you?" It's like, who are you? Yeah, it's kind of it's tough, especially because I write. I mean, it started out as high fantasy, and now this third installment that I'm working on is essentially epic fantasy. We've got a huge cast. The world in the most, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to brag. So I'm just, the world I feel is very built out, at least in my mind it is. Hopefully I conveyed that in my writing, but you know, we've got this massive, completely new world. We've got 
tons of language systems, which I don't write in too often because I don't want my readers to have to to translate all the time uh, google translate in the book um and you know we've got this massive cast of characters i've got at least like 23 that i know everything about and so it gets to a point where you're like you are one of 30 other people <laughs> who show up in this book and i do not remember you <laughs> so. i'm keeping track of all of you somewhere along yeah the I feel like I have, I have a few chapters that are like that, where I have seven or eight characters who are all, all appearing for some reason in this one. I remember instance. you mentioned that in the last time we talked, you had like one chapter with seven new introductions. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Now, now I'm lucky. I'm lucky because now there's like, they you all, you know them all. So they don't okay. have to be reintroduced. <laughs> yeah, you're like. Um, okay, you're good. You're good. Go. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Now they now they're all you know them all. They're all just people who are part of the story. That's it just, how I felt it's them. hilarious. It sounds like a good time. It sounds like someone would take notes and then not need them. That's how I felt with um Sarah J. Moss's Crescent City. Mm -hmm. I the first chap the first few chapters, I was like, I might need a notepad to understand this world. And then by chapter three, somehow it just clicked. And I was like, oh, yes, this is that district. And this belongs to those people. And I know everything about this world. I don't know how I got here, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, this all makes sense now. Oh, yeah. Your readers will probably just be like, who is that? Who is that? And then chapter five, they're like, oh, yeah. So that is this person. And he um, he lost a dog when he was 12. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> lost a dog. This happened to him. I don't know. Then this person died. This person's gone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's all happens in the story. Yeah, but I think with world building, uh, to get back on track a little bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> world building is always an interesting, interesting place to start because um, so much of the story that you want to convey happens around the world. I know one of the one of the things I learned, especially with the first book that I wrote, was about including more world building. I didn't realize that you can like you not have enough. Like people would want more, yeah. but there is a lot of people who want more and more <laughs> and. <laughs> And it, it did not hit me until I realized that people want more. Especially with fantasy, when you're trying to immerse readers into a completely new world, a lot of questions will come up. But I mean, there's a there's a very delicate balance, I would say, between dropping every single detail. Like there was a cloud that rolled by and it looked like a carrot. And then the next cloud that went by looked like a rabbit. And just in case you didn't know, the trees are green. Like there's a lot, there's a, there's a, a nice balance between way too much. And um, something that I've heard is a known as uh, white room syndrome, mm -hmm. which is where the action is happening and you have no idea where it's happening. <laughs> so, you know, there's, I think Megan does a really great job of this, of telling us about things only that are important. That's like the, the rule of Chekhov's gun, which I'm not gonna quote properly, but about if there's a gun on the wall in act one, then it needs to go off by act three. Mm -hmm. um, so like telling people things that matter. So if I mentioned to you that my MC is carrying a shield that she'll never ever, ever use. <laughs> or <laughs> That's probably not an, a super, I mean, that was a really bad example because then you would just be seeing it the whole time. But like, if I told you that there was a patch of grass that was yellow and it had absolutely nothing to do with anything and we're walking past it, we'll never see it again. It didn't have anything to do with the symbolism or the themes. You don't need that detail. You That can stay in my head. Like <laughs> stuff like that um, can be tough. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's a good point. I, I spoke to someone last year a little bit about the topic of setting and she kind of changed the game for me because she talked a little bit about like the idea that everything in your setting that you describe should have a purpose mm-hmm. because the setting should act as a character. And it started like, yeah, it started changing a lot. Oh. Like I, I started creating scenes, um, scenes in the book, especially the second book where the setting either like has this symbolism behind it because of whatever historical reference it may have or yeah or uh like for instance I have a scene in there about candle uh candles and candles are mentioned in one of the scenes it's in a chapel and then it's like it's referenced early on that there's candles littering the area Later on, later, yeah, later on. In the, I love that. <laughs> later on in the story, or later on in that chapter, this whole sequence happens. A lot goes on, and then the candles are used, um, and it's like almost something that was thrown away in the beginning as a detail of the room in the I chapel. Like that. And then by the time you get to the end of the chapter, you get the candles, and you finally realize why they were described. And I think that. When she started to kind of give me that information, I was like, you know what? I need to start including more of my setting into the rest yeah. of the story and like making it a more active part of what I'm doing versus yeah. leaving it off to the side. I like that approach. I will say that I'm, I'm just thinking back on the one fiction writing class that I have taken. And I remember <laughs> the teacher, they went, so my characters went into a cafe and they promptly left the cafe but my my teacher in the entire room was like what kind of tea did they get and I was like why wait the tea what why do you want to know about the tea and I remember them asking about the names of the tea and they wanted to know the flavors and I had them eating breakfast or something and my teacher was like this is boring (laughs) and she's like because of the food that they're eating is not interesting (laughs) Right. So, so other details that I need to know. And I remember mentioning dragons because that country is very dragon based. So is their culture. And the entire room was like, but where the, I want to meet the dragons. How did the dragons work? Can you take us to go see the dragons? I was like, I, I will do that at some point. <laughs> but it's funny, the kind of things that people will really lock in, like, you know, lock in on and, but yeah, so it could be tea or but yeah, sorry. Okay, so anything, everything needs to have a purpose, but sometimes things can have a purpose just for the fact of immersing people deeper in your world. Mm-hmm. Like how somehow lemon-flavored tea is named after like the scales of dragons or something, and people found that really interesting. So stuff like that. <laughs> that is really interesting. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yes. There's, there's been so many times, at least in my, like my beta reading process, where people ask questions about something and I'm like, oh, if you need, if you want more, I can give you more. I have all the to write a reference guide for my world just for, just a little offshoot thing. Do you want a glossary? <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was hilarious. Like I've had people who've asked, um, one person asked specifically about a, a room because I named a room after a family that was long gone. And okay. I should have, and just because I did that, just, that alone was they wanted like why like what is that family yeah, sigil did do? how did they <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to know so much and I was like yeah. all right I'll give you a paragraph or two about it 
So then they got some more information. And by the end, they were like, yes, this is exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> and, and then I was able to incorporate it with the rest of the scene because I had already written the scene. Like I already had so much done. And I was like, oh, I just got to make up another imaginary family. I can do that all day. <laughs> That's just an author flex. I could make up people and stories all day. You want oh, me man. to tell a short 200 word story? I, do well, that. I think also the number of questions that you leave about something is also up to your individual style because personally, I like when I read something and go, oh, why is that? And it's not directly answered. I think those are the fun things when you get to put sort of piece together certain clues and figure out little details about the world for yourself. But I like doing that for my readers when it's sort of like an Easter egg. Like mm. for those of you that read between the lines, this is a <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, all the cl- the close read things. I had a so I was on a on a live stream the other day, and I was talking to a reviewer who read the book and they really enjoyed the first one, mm-hmm. and they said they read it a second time right before, and they were like there were so many things that were either hinted at or you foreshadowed in interesting ways in other perspectives they're like yeah there was a lot that I could have they're like you you kind of hinted at the ending the entire story and by the time they got there they enjoyed it that is my favorite kind of foreshadowing the kind that you see but overlook and then when you go through it again you get all these aha moments and the, oh, I knew it all along. Those are my favorite, especially when, I don't know if you've had this experience before, but I had a reader in the first version of the book go through it. And he told me, he's like, I didn't see that twist coming. I, I definitely didn't see it. It came out of nowhere. And I was like, well, wouldn't you like to know? And I sent him all the evidence and he was like, oh my gosh, I didn't see it before. And that's like the best feeling as a writer when people have those things or when they get sad about a character or get excited. I feel like the emotions of the readers are like the driving force behind why, 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 right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It, and it makes, it, it is really cool because so much of what you do um, from an author standpoint is you hide things throughout the story. <laughs> <laughs> Authors are sneaky, evil creatures. <laughs> I don't know if you plan, like, do you ever wonder about that? Like when you're planning a death and you think, Oh, I could do this, but this would be so much more painful. Oh. It's bad when you get excited about those things. You have to sit with yourself and think, I'm a writer, <laughs> I'm not insane. I'm a writer, I'm not insane. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. This is fine. This is what I do. This is fine. I, I have, a, I have a, a specific scene, once you said that, that came to my mind in the second book. And it's just, there's an entire misdirect. Like I basically, like there's a whole misdirect. I you love a think, red hair. You think that this whole thing just ended and everyone's okay. And then, boom, the thing happens. And you're like, oh, what did this? Like, how did that happen? And all of the little pieces are like laid out for you earlier in the chapter. And by the time you get to the end, you're just like, wow, I should have probably seen this one coming since it got oh, foreshadowed. Oh, it's so when they don't. Yeah, it's a foreshadow that this is potentially going to happen in book one and then referenced again that this is potentially something that could happen. I've been building for this for a while. So I was just like very happy when I got it. I'll have to binge when your whole series. (laughs) 
I'll probably do that with Megan. Megan is the same way. We'll like read something, but then if the whole series isn't out, I feel so bad because I'll, I'll plow through a series and then there are only five books out and there are nine more or something more that are not out yet. And it's so hard to get back in because you have to reread and not that I don't enjoy rereading, but I don't do it fairly very often, but I forget, um, on the topic of being insane or being an author, <laughs> just to go back to that. <laughs> I think that I, I learned from every story that I take in, you know, every experience goes into your writing. And I am a huge fan of anime, um, of anime and manga. I just love how bizarre and fantastic the concepts are. And I always think they're really great. I Attack on Titan is one of my favorites. I think it's like a work that lots of people should study if they write, because I think it's fantastic. And I was talking to a friend of mine who likes anime about the book. And I was like, I learned something from Attack on Titan and I'm going to apply it to my books. And she goes, I am terrified of what you're about to do because I, I was telling her about, um, because in, in that story, I think one of the things that the writer does so fantastically well is raising the stakes. And they do that by having a big cast of characters that we love and not sparing any of them from any conflict. So we could be going into something in season three and be terrified to lose people we've had since day one. Oh. No, the author will not spare them. And I was like, that is why it's so good. And then I went into book three like a maniac. <laughs> and I have to apologize to my readers in advance for what I'm about to do. But like, I, um, yeah, so anyways, all about, all about the emotion. But sometimes you feel like an evil person. <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's... that no one will understand until like two years from now when the third book's out like <laughs> oh oh it's just they the plan for the conclusion of the series has me sad and it's not even written yet because i know i know i made myself cry three times writing the outline of my story <laughs> I'm like this is gonna be terrible like i can't even imagine it's i don't know it's hard to explain to people who don't write because it's like yeah i can't even imagine getting to the point where i have to do the do the deed that needs <laughs> to be that needs to be done oh it's so bittersweet too like i haven't obviously i haven't written the third book yet um i'm in the process of doing that and i was talking to sky about this the other day because you know she just finished her series up um mm -hmm. and it was four books long it is so bittersweet i finished the outline to book three and i thought this is gonna be epic and painful and great and i was so excited but the same feeling is like oh my gosh oh i'm gonna say goodbye to all these people that have lived in my imagination and in my writing for so long now it's hard to to pass it up but at the same time you're like i want to get out of this world i want to go build another one um, as a writer so it's so bittersweet i don't know if you felt that yet um where you uh, are in the writing process I have because this this third book is planned to be the last one, and just the one I really have some other ideas I want to do. I really yeah. want to write some other books, but this series has been like the first series, like it's the first one that I'm oh, actually yeah. going to complete. And you're co-authoring it, right? Well, the first book we co-authored. The second book we were writing companion novels to each other because oh. my brother wants to explore another side of the situation that's happening in book two and I wanted to explore some other things so we're like let's just write companions you can that is really interesting go off and have like fun two completely different stories within the same world by yeah. two different writers that started <laughs> together 
Yes. That is so, are they not going to interact with one another at all? They are going to interact. So oh, my goodness. <laughs> the, 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 big, the big interactions will come towards the conclusion as you reach both sides. That makes sense. But the one of like the conflict is the conflict that both will experience. But you're just seeing how these other characters are are kind of dealing with it at the same time. Okay. So writing a different perspective can be so fun and daunting sometimes. We uh, feel that. I just wrote um none of the characters in my book so far have been as sarcastic, judgmental, or just done. As, for lack of a better word than this one that I just wrote. I didn't mean for him to be that way, but he's this really strong, powerful warrior who just doesn't care. <laughs> it's so, I have this scene, cause I wrote, okay, this might, this isn't gonna spoil anything. I'll, I'll be vague people for, for anyone that will eventually be listening to this, that will have eventually read anything that I put out. But in this installment, there's, I, there's a scene that is very nerve wracking if I had written it in any other perspective, it would have been like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. But from his perspective, it's just so irritating. And I think it's so <laughs> funny. I have a character who comes in and it refuses help and she's screaming and he plugs his ears because she's too loud. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just think stuff like that is so so funny. And I sent it to a few people to read and they messaged me back and they were like, I was like, so what do you think of this character? And they were like, I think he's just so done with everything. Like as soon as he walked out, he was done. He probably woke up in that morning and just went, I'm done. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I've never written a character like that. I have to say like exploring perspectives of people who are not at all like your protagonist or the rest of your cast is so fun. I wrote my first negative character arc recently, Ooh. like almost like a descent into madness. And it was so dark and I loved it. Ooh. And it's so much fun to do stuff like that. So even if it's, it feels daunting at first, and then you realize just how much fun it is to explore a voice that is so far and different than your own. It's almost like easier to identify your characters too, when you really pull them apart from yourself. So would highly recommend writing a character that is bored <laughs> or going insane because that's very fun <laughs> <laughs> just uh just very different than your own personality <laughs> very hopefully very different <laughs> i mean i will say you know like by the end of senior year <laughs> senior writers, i woke up and i was like i don't want to go <laughs> i kind of relate to him a little bit <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that's a, I, I really enjoy that Writing, I think writing any any characters that are just unique, uniquely mm. them, I think that's always the most fun. I always, I felt like the first book when I was writing in the beginning, I was like learning some of the characters. And then by the end, I knew who they were. So when I had to go back and edit, I had to change some things. Mm -hmm. But the second book, writing some of the very same characters from the first one, it's been significantly easier because oh, yeah. I know exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to feel and what they're going to say. And they, a lot of my characters don't hold back. So that's always oh, that's fun. fun. I love sassy characters. <laughs> I think there's just something so much fun about having a situation and like it could be completely different to your series, but if you put your characters in, you knew what they would do. And it's even more fun when your readers know what they would do. So that's, that's definitely really cool. Yeah, the example I like to use, I tell, I tell people, imagine if Asher went grocery shopping 
And he's one of the characters in the book. He has a very big attitude and he hates doing anything by himself. He's doing any real work. So if he had to go grocery shopping, people are just like, oh, I know exactly what he'd do. He'd, he'd be complaining at those people at the store for not getting the groceries for him. <laughs> exactly. Kind of I'm trying to, that's such a fun exercise that I have not done. I'm trying to think. I feel like if that one character I just mentioned went into the grocery store, he'd just be like, any child that's screaming, <laughs> so pissed off. Like he would walk past, you know, those people in the line that are like, oh, let me get one more thing. Or people who just do things that are not necessarily oh. be sitting there like, <laughs> like, okay, you guys couldn't see, but I just did the most deadpan expression. I was quite proud of it. <laughs> Staring daggers. Oh yeah, you would be so irritated. And then I feel like it, it only works with certain characters because some of them are vaguely normal. <laughs> normal functioning human beings but I have a few that would just be very interesting at, at a very mundane situation I'll have to write that one day just for fun <laughs> sign up for my newsletter and you get to watch and walk through the aisles of a grocery store <laughs> you know that would be probably so interesting <laughs> I, would, I think I might do that that's, that's it does kind of sound funny. Kind of writer community prompt. All right, guys, <laughs> write about your characters going on a grocery run. <laughs> <laughs> People would have a lot of fun with that one. I feel like we would. <laughs> All right, so we're coming up on the end of our time. I want to give you a chance to plug yourself, where people can find you, um, where they can find writing community and all that good stuff. So you can find me on Instagram at author underscore s dot Alexis. I do not post all that often anymore gotta be honest I've been really focused on writing so I'm trying to just only put things in there that are really important to me or just life updates and you can find the writer community at the link in that bio or at the underscore writer underscore community and then from there you can find the link to our website which is thewritercommunity.com <laughs> and I think that's about it I don't know exactly we'll probably be able to find my books wherever but the best bet is just Instagram because I will definitely let you know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you for coming on. I've enjoyed this conversation. Enjoyed catching up with you. It's been of quite course. a while. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's so much fun chatting with you. I love chatting anything writing. We get into lots of tangents. <laughs> yeah, all, tons of tangents. <laughs> all the tangents. <laughs> Feel free to follow me on Instagram at Inspired by Jamil and check out my website, inspiredbyjamil.com for more resources. Peace. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Check it out. Uh. Yeah. Maybe I was meant to give you my life in the first The symptoms of curse Started from the bottom, ain't no way that we gon' see worse A product of environments that can't believe in you first They need to see results, just watch out, that's when leeching the curse Young, black, creative, just trying to make it Interracial dating, money making, black Power activists is never basic